Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. Okay, welcome everyone. And it's time to turn to the Word of God. We are currently studying... And we have been doing this study for several weeks now on the importance and the value of the Word of God. How important and what value has the Word of God in the believer's life? We are actually doing part six at this present time. Now, my purpose for teaching on this very subject, and I teach and I taught on it over and over again for the past six weeks is to help us see and realize the tremendous value and the importance that the Word of God should have in our lives. But also the benefits that derive from those who actually value the Word of God and invest in studying and meditating in the Word. And those of us who give it the proper place in our lives, the proper recognition, the proper honor that is due to the Word of God, will find the tremendous benefits that flow from that recognition we give to the Word. Jesus said something profound in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, and verse 25, from the Amplified Translation, He said something like this. He said, The measure of thought... And study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that will come back to you. In other words, if you give 50% study to the Word of God, then 50% knowledge and virtue will come back to you. So it all depends what we put in what kind of reward or what kind of virtue or blessing will come back to us. But as disciples of Christ, we need to learn to value and honor what God values and what God honors in our lives. We need to learn to do that because now we are citizens of the kingdom, we are disciples of the Lord Jesus, and we need to learn to value and place value where God places value. In life, we often value things that in the light of eternity and in the eyes of God have no real value. And so we need to understand what does God value and we need to value the same things. Now, spiritual things, according to the Word of God, are far more important than material things or natural things. Spiritual things never grow old. They don't decay. They don't become obsolete. They don't rust. But material things do. In fact, spiritual things, the more you use spiritual things and spiritual truths, the more valuable they become and the more um, uh, the value increases rather than depreciates. But natural things do the opposite. The, the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy in one of his um, 
in one of his two letters that he wrote, he says to him, among other things, the following. And I want you to turn there with me to see the instruction that Paul gave to Timothy, his disciple. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we look at verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. He says to him, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Notice that all of these things Paul is mentioning here in his letter to Timothy are in nature spiritual things. Let's look at it again. He says, O men of God, flee these things and pursue. The word pursue means to run after, to devote yourself to, to earnestly seek after. Pursue what? Righteousness. Righteousness is spiritual. Where does righteousness come from? From above. Godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. And Paul is also telling Timothy to flee certain things. He said, flee these things and pursue these things. And so, let's look at also what Paul is telling Timothy to flee from. Let's look at the next verse. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we read verse 11, right? Is that what we read? If you read from verse 6 to verse 10, to verse 10 we will get the whole picture of what Paul is saying here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through to 10. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and partition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now it's important to understand and get the full picture of what Paul is admonishing here, Timothy. He says to him that in order to pursue spiritual things, in order to devote oneself to the things that have real value, we need to flee from certain harmful lusts. And he describes what those desires or lusts are. He says, flee from the love of money and the desire for accumulating riches and material things. Now, the Bible calls this, anybody knows? 
covetousness, which is idolatry. So Paul here is very serious about what he's telling Timothy to do. He says, man of God, you are a man of God, you are a woman of God, I am a man of God, we are disciples of Christ. So he's speaking to us today and he says, man and women of God, flee these things and pursue these things. And so Paul didn't say, that money is the root of all evil. Have you noticed that? Because many quote this scripture and they quote it wrong. They say money is the root of all evil. No, money is neutral. You can do a whole lot of good if you have money. Or evil. But he says, it is not money that's the root of all evil. It is the love of money that it is the root of all evil. So we need to understand the difference. God is not against you having money. God is against us, money having us, and possessing us, and controlling us, and we become slaves to money, to mammon, to the mammon spirit. So that's what Paul is addressing here. When we make money our God, and the central theme of our pursuit in life, and we devote ourselves to that, then we are headed down, obviously, down the wrong path. Which will lead us, as Paul says, it will take us away from the path of faith and bring many foolish and destructful lusts into our lives. In fact, Paul says, many, having been obsessed by the love of money, they have pierced themselves with many sorrows. So, it's dangerous when we make money our God. And Paul says, flee these things, but devote yourself and pursue after godliness, righteousness, faith, patience, and gentleness. Now, I also know this, not just from the Bible, but from experience of being with the Lord over the many years. Uh, This love for money has destroyed many a believer's faith and devotion to God. Once it gets hold of you, you begin to measure everything, including people, with dollars and cents. Without them having said anything. When a person is possessed by this desire, by the love of money, that's all he talks about, that's all he thinks about. That's all he plans about. His whole life is centered around making money and accumulating material things. So every time you meet someone, if you are obsessed by that and possessed by the love of money, you begin to measure people according to the pocket rather than their character. That's a very dangerous trap of the enemy. Now, notice what the Spirit through Paul wrote to the Colossians. And, and it's important for us to understand this because he said, he, he very categorically said, Timothy, flee from these things. To flee means to run from. Now, in order to escape all these things that we have mentioned above, we need to divert our attention and our focus and our devotion to those things which are valuable and beneficial to our faith. Because if you don't have something to replace this, you have nothing to go by. 
you, you need to divert your attention, your focus onto those things which are truly valuable and beneficial to your faith. If it's not beneficial to your faith and to your spiritual growth, then flee from it. It's of no use to you. It'll only hurt you. It'll harm you. Not just you, but your family and your, your children and your children's children. The decisions we make in life will not only affect us, but the generation after us. And it's important for us to understand that. So we need to divert our focus, our desire, our passion, and our attention to those things which enhance, strengthen, and add to our faith. And then Paul goes on to say what those things are. Notice what the Spirit through Paul wrote to the Colossians. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. He says to the believers, now he's writing to believers, not unbelievers, he's writing to the church, and these words apply, these instructions apply to us today. They are given to Paul by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, Sitting at the right hand of God, set your affection or set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. How many of us were raised with Christ when he was raised? When you got born again, that's what happened to you. You were raised spiritually with Christ. You are born of His Spirit. You have the life and the nature of God within your spirit. So Paul is addressing the born-again believer. And he says, if you were raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Let me ask a question. What are those things that are above? And what are those things which are beneath? The things that are above are spiritual. Amen? The things that are above are spiritual things and spiritual realities. Now, all of these spiritual realities are found only in one place. And that's in the Word of God which you're holding in your hands. When we meditate in the Word and diligently study it, we are seeking and pursuing those things which are above. And that is, that, is, that is how we can divert our attention and give value and priority to spiritual things rather than to physical and natural things. I'm not saying we don't need the physical and the natural. They are important because we are physical beings. We have physical needs. We have natural needs. But it is wrong to give priority and focus far more on natural things rather than spiritual things. And that's what Paul is saying here. When he says, set your mind, set your affection on things above. What is above? The love of God. Pursue love, grow in love. What is above? The faith of God. What is above? Godliness, righteousness, faith, Patience, gentleness, meekness, all of these things come from above. 
And Paul admonishes us to seek after, to pursue, to devote ourselves to those things which come from above. And where are they? They are in the Word of God. Nowhere else. God's Word is filled with spiritual truths, with spiritual realities. God's God's Word will tell you who you are in Christ Jesus. God's Word will tell you what you have because of Christ. God's Word will tell you the truth about what you can do in Christ Jesus. So all of these spiritual truths and spiritual realities are only found in the Word of God. Now, speaking from experience, and I know this, the Bible says so, but I've experienced it in my own life. When we seek and pursue spiritual things, God adds to us the material things. I'm going to say that again. When we prioritize our lives to seek spiritual things, to go after those things that are of the nature of the Spirit, love, faith, righteousness, godliness, uh, patience, gentleness, meekness, faithfulness. When we pursue those spiritual things, God Himself adds to you the natural things. In all the years that, that I have been in the Lord, 41 years last week, I do not recall any time where I have devoted, where I've sought material things or material blessings. My heart was after God. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to study the Word. I wanted to discover what the will of the Lord is for my life. I wanted to find out what are the plans of God for my life. And I wanted to be found in the center of God's will, obeying Him and doing those things which He commanded me to do. And lo and behold, as I'm seeking God, as I'm seeking these spiritual things, God began to add to me the natural things. The, the blessings of, the, of the, uh, the material things that we need in life. And that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33. You know what six, Matthew 6.33 says? All of us should know this verse of by heart. Come on, Bible scholars. Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things, what things? Material things, natural things, will be added to you. He doesn't say, seek these things. He says, seek God. Seek the kingdom first. Seek spiritual things first. And God will add to you the natural things and the the material things. Amen. And I am an, I'm a living testimony of that. So I want to encourage you. you need, we all need to divert our focus and place value where, where God places value. You need to consider and ponder in your life, what is valuable? What does God value more than anything else? He values His Word. He honors His Word. He says, I have set my Word above my name. There is no higher authority than the Word of God. God highly values His Word. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us. Who is the Word of God? Jesus Christ Himself is the living Word of God. So when we value the Lord, when we value what He values, then we set our affection on things above. 
We don't, we don't neglect those things that are important. We give them first place in our lives. Before you leave your house, before you leave your work, you put first things first. You spend time with God. You spend time in His Word. You spend time praying. You spend time fellowshipping with God because He is first. He should be first in our lives. And when we do that, you will find that your day will run smoothly. I'm not saying you're not going to have any challenges. You will have challenges, but you will have the grace and the faith to be able to overcome those challenges because you've taken the time to give God His rightful place in your life. Amen. Amen. So the word says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things are going to be added to you. What the world seeks after. What the world pursues, what the world murders, steals, uh, and, and hates in order to gain, God says, I'm going to give them to you if you will seek me and my kingdom first. Now, Jesus is not a liar. He is the truth. He will do what he said he will do. Amen. So when it comes to the word of God, there are no words in the human vocabulary to adequately describe the value of the Word of God. It is beyond calculable or appraised value. It is priceless. What price can you place on the Word of God? It is absolutely priceless. Now, Jesus made it very clear when He said, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, what Jesus was saying here is that, he said, you cannot live the kind of life that Jesus destined for you to live. The abundant life, the overcoming life, the life that honors God by just feeding on natural food. You cannot do it. No one can do it. And how many of us believers think that we can please God or live a life that is overcoming without regularly feeding on the Word of God? He says you cannot do it by just feeding on bread. Now, let me say this. Natural food sustains spiritual life, but spiritual food sustains spiritual life. We're not just flesh and bone, and blood. We are a spirit being, we have a soul, and we live in this body. This body gives us the right to live on the earth. It is our earth suit. But we are not a body. We are primarily spirit beings. Amen? So you can't feed your spirit with bread. (laughs) That's not his diet. Amen? Uh, Now... (laughs) The body feeds on natural food and it produces a power called strength or physical energy. You stop feeding yourself for days, you won't have the energy to to do the things that are expected of you. you. You go hungry for weeks, you won't be able to get off the chair. Amen? So, natural food, what does it do? The body feeds on natural food and it produces a power called physical strength. Now the mind feeds on intellectual food and it produces a power called willpower. Intellectual power. 
It's willpower. But the spirit feeds on spiritual food and it produces a power called, who knows what that power is? Faith. faith. Well, well said, Emma. Spiritual power is faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Anything that is not of faith, the Bible says, is sin. No matter how good it looks to you, if it proceeds not out of faith, it is not acceptable with God. So in order to produce this faith, this spiritual power, we need to do what? Feed and nourish our spirits daily with a good dose of the Word of God. Simple. Hello? Are you listening out there? Amen. So, all three parts of our being need to be nurtured, need to be fed, and nourished with the right diet. We cannot neglect even one of them. Your soul needs soulish food. There are things that we do that fills our emotional tank. Amen? There are things that we do that fills our spiritual tank. Amen? And there are things that nourish our physical being. All three... All three parts of... (laughs) All three part of us need to be adequately fed. Now Peter says... Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. It's fine. And verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 2. As newborn babes, is talking to young believers here, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Believers in Christ are not growing as they should, because they are not desiring the pure Word of God. We have many sickly believers, because they don't, they don't have the right diet. And just as there are, let me say this, just as there are physical illness, there are also spiritual illness. The cause of most of these spiritual and emotional illness are the result of a lack of spiritual and emotional diet. You with me? If you don't feed your body properly, and you don't eat the right stuff, then your body is deficient of certain vitamins. So when sickness and disease goes around, viruses and all of that, they attach themselves because your immune system is worn out or worn down. Even so, spiritually speaking. You know how many believers suffer from depression? And they cannot sleep unless they take tablets? I'm not against that. But that tells me that there are, just as there are physical illness, there are also emotional and spiritual illness. And in order to, in order to get to the root of it, we have to we have to feed our spirits with the right diet. And here Peter says, 
If you are in Christ, and if you are a young believer, then you must desire, you must hunger after, you must pursue the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Spiritual strength is vitally important when it comes to facing the giants of life. And believe me, you will face your own giants sooner or later. There is the giant of loneliness. There is the giant of fear, all kinds of fear. There is a giant of sickness and disease. There is a giant of of debt and financial crisis. All of us in life will, at one time or another, face spiritual giants that come against us to do what? To destroy. Divorce is another major, major giant that destroys countless of marriages. And if we are not adequately equipped, if we are not sufficiently fed and ministered to by the Word of God, when these giants of life come against us, we will have no stamina, no spiritual strength to resist them and push them away from us. We will fall into the traps of the enemy. So, spiritual strength is vitally important when it comes to facing the giants of life. And let me say this, if we wait until we are up against a giant to build up our strength, it's already too late. You've got to find someone then who is strong in his faith and take shelter and shield yourself under that someone so that he can help you fend off and push off and resist the enemy or else you're going to go down. And that's what many of us do. We wait until we are in crisis to pray. We wait until we are in crisis to study the Word of God on a matter or on a subject that we're struggling with. It's too late then. We have to be ready all the time, in every season, in season and out of season. We need to be feeding our spirits at all times with the Word of God, building our faith, so that when the enemy comes knocking on the door of your family... You have enough and sufficient spiritual strength and emotional fortitude to resist him successfully. Amen. And you say sometimes, you say, but he is such a good Christian, such a, such a wonderful man of God, such a believer. Why is this happening? Well, you don't know what's in a person's heart. You don't know how strong he is spiritually. You don't know what level his faith is. Amen. So we need to be ready. We don't wait until we fall into a crisis and then we come crying out to God. No. Pray before you fall into crisis. Feed your spirit. Give it the right diet. Stay in the Word of God. Day in and day out. That's what a disciple is, folks. Jesus said, If you continue in my Word, then you will indeed be my disciple." And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the key word there is continue. Abide. Remain in the word. Remain in prayer. Don't, don't go seven days without prayer and then you decide, well, I'm going to pray two, two hours next week. You will never be able to do it. You don't start with two hours. You start with ten minutes. And you build that prayer life. I recall, I was unconsciously led. No one taught me, no one preached to me about the things I'm preaching to you today. It's common sense. And I would set the clock for 10 minutes. 
And I would shut the door, shut everybody out, go upstairs into my prayer closet, and I would say, Lord, these 10 minutes I'm giving to you, and I want to fellowship and pray to you. Day in and day out, I would lock my business at 5 o'clock, come home. Before I said hello to my wife, kissed my wife, said hello to my children, straight upstairs. 10 minutes. Every day. It was before long, it wasn't long, and 10 minutes wasn't enough. So I increased it to 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, in many months. You see, you, you, you start little and you grow in it. You don't jump into it. Imagine you now, you decide to run a marathon of 10 kilometers. You have never practiced, you've never ran, you've never uh, exercised, and you try to run a 10 kilometer marathon. You're going to fall flat on your face. Amen? And so we need to be busy with the Word of God, busy in prayer, because it's a necessity of life. Don't you take time to eat? Huh? Of course we do. And most of us three times a day, maybe more. <laughs> we, we are overfed physically and starved spiritually. Amen. So we need to be ready at all times. James says in relation to this chapter 4 verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God or to the word of God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How can you submit to the word of God if you don't know what the word says? You can't. So we can't really resist the enemy successfully unless we first submit it to the counsel and to the wisdom the Word of God gives us. So, are you with me so far? I trust that that we're really listening with our hearts and not just with our ears. You cannot live an overcoming life. You cannot live a life that honors God, the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, without these basic fundamental principles that I'm sharing with you today. You're going to be a lukewarm Christian. You're going to be one day up, one day down, one day in, one day out, hot today, cold tomorrow, and then you will never achieve anything in your life when it comes to spiritual things. You will live your life and you will look back one day and say, what have I done for Christ? Have I fulfilled the purpose and the plan of God for my life? Or have I lived all of these years wandering around in the desert, not knowing what God has called me to do, not knowing how I was going about to do it, and just, you will be saved, but when you stand before God, you will have no rewards. I don't want to be that way. Do you? Amen. So, many believers today, And I say many, not a few, are falling victims to the enemy's attacks and temptations. And the reason being is because they are void and ignorant of the Word of God. That is the only reason that we fall victims to the enemy's temptations. And God spoke through Isaiah, giving us understanding as to why God's people are falling prey or in bondage to all sorts of diabolical oppression. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 5 verse 13. 
Isaiah 5, verse 13. This is a very profound scripture. And, and, and we all of us need to spend time chewing on it in order to get the depth of what God is saying here. He is, he is releasing some profound wisdom through this verse of scripture. Isaiah 5, I want you to find it in your own Bible so you can read it together with me. Therefore, my people, who is God talking to here? When he says, therefore, my people. He's talking, obviously, to Christians, to believers. He says, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Do you see that? Now, there are many kinds of captivity, both mental, there is emotional captivity, there are financial captivities, as well as spiritual captivities. And so, many are captives to all kinds of fear. Fear is captivity. Fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of poverty, fear of many other fears, and I can go on and on, while others are in bondage to wrong thinking and wrong believing. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. Folks, let me tell you something profound. Satan is not a real threat because he's already been defeated on the cross of Calvary. Your sin has already been dealt with. But your greatest enemy is ignorance. Satan is known as the prince of ignorance or the prince of darkness. And I have devoted my life and ministry to eliminate ignorance and darkness from the lives of God's people. So your real enemy is not, yes, the devil is an enemy, but he's already been defeated. Christ defeated him, he's no longer a threat. Sin has been dealt with through the blood of Jesus. Your sin has been forgiven. So what is really standing between us and the overcoming life? Ignorance. It is our greatest enemy in life and we need to devote ourselves to eliminating spiritual ignorance from our very lives. He says, my people have got into captivity because they have no knowledge. Not only does Isaiah say that, but Hosea says the same thing. What are we talking about today? We are speaking about the value of the Word of God. God's Word brings light. God's Word brings knowledge. God's Word brings wisdom. God's Word brings revelation and understanding. So, Hosea says the same thing that, that, that the prophet or the spirit said through the prophet. Turn to Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Again, God is addressing His people. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to His people. And He says, My people are destroyed. There are many believers that are being destroyed in the marriages, destroyed in the bodies, destroyed in the finances, destroyed in the relationships. Many, not a few. 
And God says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You found it. Underline that. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Learn it off by heart. And say, Lord, if I'm being destroyed in any area of my life, it's because I have no knowledge concerning this matter. Please fill my heart and mind with spiritual understanding and revelation knowledge so that I can overcome whatever is oppressing me in this area. So that I can overcome my fears, my anxieties, my worries, my sorrows. Fill my mind and my heart with the knowledge of your word. And then he goes on to say, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. Now these are hard words. If we reject the knowledge that proceeds from the word of God, God cannot help you. He says, I'm going to reject you. Why? Because you rejected knowledge. Knowledge is the most valuable commodity in the universe. And I'm talking about spiritual knowledge, spiritual understanding. So, he says, because you rejected knowledge, I'll also reject you from being a priest for me. Because you've forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. These are very hard words, but nevertheless, they are the truth. So, God gives us the reason why His people have gone into captivity, why they're being destroyed, is because they have no knowledge. What we do not know, spiritually speaking, could destroy us in every sphere of life. There are certain principles that govern successful and godly marriages. If we are ignorant of those principles that holds marriage together, if we don't know them, we don't practice them, our marriage will be destroyed. It'll go bankrupt. Amen. Our finances can be destroyed. The enemy can steal your finances if there are certain things that you do not know in relation to what to do in the area of finances, that the enemy can come in and steal your money and destroy your financial stability. Our children, as well as our physical being, can be destroyed. This lack of knowledge and a lack of spiritual understanding could have devastating effects on all of our lives, in every sphere of life. Amen. So, the kind of knowledge that both Isaiah and and uh, and Hosea referred to is what I say spiritual knowledge, and uh, it is the kind of knowledge which comes from receiving and obeying the word of God, receiving, hearing the word, and obeying the word of God. Amen. It is the kind of knowledge which can come to those who take time to dig deeper into the wisdom of God, which is found nowhere else but in the Word of God. Listen to what Solomon said in regards to obtaining this kind of knowledge which keeps us free from all kinds of captivity. The Bible is very clear how to obtain this knowledge. And he gives us directions how to obtain it, how to receive it. 
Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. More than anything else in my life, throughout the years that I have walked with God, more than anything else, I have desired the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. More than anything else. You remember what Solomon asked when he became king and he was placed in a, in a place of authority? What did he ask for? He says, give your servant wisdom and an understanding heart that I may know how to govern your people. So he understood that he was only a child. He didn't have the experience. He didn't have the knowledge. And here he was placed on the throne of Israel as a king. His father anointed him to succeed him in the kingdom. And here Solomon, this young man, and um, thank God he realized his ignorance. And when God asked him in a dream, you can ask me anything you want. I will give it to you. God said to him in a dream. And Solomon said, Lord, give me wisdom and an understanding heart that I may know how to govern this great people that you've made me king over. And God was so pleased with that request. And that's one request that God will always be pleased when he hears it from our lips. Lord, give me wisdom and understanding so that I may govern the affairs of my life, the affairs of my family, the affairs of my business in a way that is pleasing to you. And God said to Solomon, look, because you asked for wisdom and you didn't ask for the life of your enemies, you didn't ask for riches, you didn't ask for wealth, I'm going to give you what you've asked for, but I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. And then he said, I'm going to give you wealth, I'm going to give you riches, I'm going to give you fame, that no one in Israel will be as famous as you. And God did that, simply because Solomon asked for the right thing. And so often in life we ask for things, <laughs> and really the things that we ask for are not bad, but they are not, uh, how can I put it, they're not the principal thing the thing that governs every other thing. Because if you have wisdom, you're not going to make foolish decisions. And I've seen Christians make foolish, foolish decisions, and they have brought themselves into disrepute. The family has suffered as a result of it because they made unwise decisions based on emotion, based on circumstances, rather than seeking the will and the wisdom of God. And so in all the years that I've walked with God, if there's one prayer request that I prayed more than anything else is the wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me understanding that I may know what to do and how to go about doing it. And I encourage you to do the same. So Solomon, this wise king, he wrote the book of Proverbs and he gave such wisdom to us today that it's available to us. So he says, if you want the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God, this is how you receive it. Have you found Proverbs chapter 2? Proverbs chapter 2. Let's see what Solomon said. And verse 1 through 5. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. He says, my son, he's talking to his son now. If you receive my words... And treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom, 
and apply your heart to understanding. So let's stop there for a moment and analyze this. Notice the order of words that Solomon uses in the book of Proverbs that we've just read. He said, first of all, he says, My son, receive my words. Then he says, Treasure my commands within you. So, notice what comes afterwards. So that you may incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. In other words, if you give priority to the Word of God, to this book, these are the words of God. They are all written here from cover to cover. He says, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within your heart. In other words, place value on my word, on my commandments. Don't ignore them. Don't become so familiar with them. And Oh, you say, I know what the Bible says. But do you do what the Bible says? That's the thing. Many of us know a lot of things here, but uh, we don't obey that much. As someone said, we are far educated beyond the level of our obedience. I'd rather know less and do less because the more I know, the more responsible I am. So when God gives you more light, he expects you to walk in that light. So he says, if you receive my words, you treasure my commandments, then your ear will be inclined to wisdom and your heart will apply itself to understanding. So, in other words, you will find the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding you need to live a a life that is full. If you receive the words and if you treasure the commandments within you. In other words, wisdom will be so close to you, you don't have to struggle to find it. The moment you pray, God will say, here I am. Why? Because we've taken the time to receive the word of God and to treasure the commandments of what he said to us in our hearts. In other words, if we give priority to the word, receive his words, treasure and value his commandments, then our ears will be in tune to his wisdom and our hearts will be applied to understanding. But here is the reverse side of it. Let's take it now from the reverse side. If you don't pay attention to the word of God, And if we don't place any value on his commandments, then our ears will not be inclining to wisdom and our hearts will not apply themselves to understand and to live in the ways of God. Do you see it? That's how you receive the knowledge. Then he goes on to say, let's read the rest of the verse. If you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The word of God is so simple. Amen? He says, listen to what he says. If you lift your voice for understanding, that's praying. Lord, give me wisdom, give me understanding. And if you seek understanding like you would seek silver and search like you would search for treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. We all know you don't find gold just on the surface of the earth, do you? (laughs) Expensive machine, you got to dig, 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 dig. That's where the real 
you know, in the belly of the earth you find gold. You find diamonds. How is it that most of us Christians, we think that we can just skip over this word without really digging into it, going into it, studying it for ourselves, spending time meditating in it, and we expect to find the treasures of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. It just won't happen. Amen? He says, if you seek wisdom and understanding like you would seek treasures, then you will find it. So it, it, what does it boil down to? It boils down to placing value where there is real value. Valuing what God values. And if you do that, you will be blessed. Amen? Now, I think we're going to end it right here because we have a dedication and we'll pick it up next week again because this is such a vast subject. When we talk about the value of the Word of God, we are talking about the fundamental principle that upon which our prosperity, our, our welfare, the, fa- the welfare of our families hang upon. So why am I teaching? This is the sixth lesson I'm doing on this subject. Why? Because somehow I want to help believers understand that God's Word is valuable. God's Word is important. And if it is valuable, how much time do we spend in it? And that's the bottom line. Amen? So let's pray and and close our session. And then uh, you on the webinar, um, we're going to dedicate... Little Abigail, she's almost four months. No, she's three months. Three months. She's three months old. And uh, Peter and Emma have asked, is it Pastor, while you're here, can we not do the uh, dedication of Abigail? I said, sure, why not? So we are here. Peter's parents are also here. And we're going to uh, dedicate little Abigail to the Lord. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. Father, your word is invaluable. There is no appraisal. There is no calculable price that we can place on the word of God. It is through the word that you have given us the new birth. It is through the word that you are holding us up. And it is through the word of God that you're bringing us together as family and as children of God. And Father, I pray that the realization of the importance of your word in the life of the believer will somehow take place in our hearts and in our minds. That not only we will understand with our head, but our hearts will wrap around itself and study and learn and meditate and read and discover the wonderful treasures that are hidden within your word. Thank you that you have so freely given us this word. And so many people have died. Others have been persecuted for their faith in order to put this this word on print that we can have it so freely today. We appreciate you and we thank you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 
For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.